welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Um, praise God. Good, Tony, great to see you and great to be back. I was traveling for, uh, away for a couple of weeks. I was in Bu- the beautiful city of Budapest uh, preaching the gospel and also at a pastor's uh, leaders conference. And it was a phenomenal event. It was a great, great uh, opportunity for me to see what the Lord is doing in, in the great country of Hungary. Didn't realize what a huge country it once was. Par- parts of Romania were Hungarian, par- parts of uh, even uh, Ukraine and uh, all these parts. It was a huge country at one time. It was carved up after World War I, I think, and World War II. But, um, and then the communists, it was under communist control until the 80s. And there was a, when that lifted, it was a real move of God. So we had about 450 pastors um, from one of the denominations. And I think 162 of those were pastors of gypsy churches. And just to be able to come back with a report that God was moving... There's a great hunger in Hungary, <laughs> and, uh, and a lovely relationship starting with the Irish church. Uh, we got to know many of the young leaders coming into sort of the senior positions of the Hungarian uh, denomination, or the Pentecostal denomination. So they bring greetings to you, and um, we just to give you a report on that, that it's been a wonderful time. And I left very encouraged to see that we were able to impart something of the covenant of Christ to them, that inspired them to, to go back onto the battlefield again because pastors face a very difficult job. You know, particularly the last two years of COVID has been very, very, very mentally and emotionally draining them outside of the spiritual fight that these men and women have uh, had a very tough time of it, as our own Irish pastors are and all over the world. But uh, Pastor Carter asked me to come alongside him and to minister to these pastors, and it was a great privilege, and I believe the Lord used us in some measure. Amen. God bless you this morning. If you have a Bible... Open today to Second Kings chapter 8. I titled it, what, what Godly People Do When Bad Things Happen. Amen. Uh, we're reading from, from verse 1. Elisha said to the woman whose son had been restored to life, Get ready, you and your household, go and live as foreigners wherever you can. For the Lord has announced a seven-year famine, and it has already come to the land. So the woman got ready and did what the man of God said. She and her household lived as foreigners in the land of the Philistines for seven years. When the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, at the end of seven years, she went to appeal to the king for her house and her field. The king had been speaking to Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, tell me all the great things Elisha had done. And while he was telling the king how Elisha restored the dead son to life, the woman whose son he had restored to life came to appeal the king for her house and field. So Gehazi said, my lord, the king, this is the woman, and this is the son Elisha restored to life. When the king asked the woman, she told him the story. So the king appointed a court official for her, saying, Restore all of hers along with the income from the field from the day that she left the country until now. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. What do the righteous do when the foundations are gone? Psalm 11. We are in a time today, friends, where foundations are falling apart everywhere. 
but the appeal of the righteous must always be the same. The just, the Bible said, must live by faith. Living by faith, friends, is a battle. Amen. It's always a battle. It's much harder than living by works, I want to tell you. It's much harder than living by rules and regulations. To live solely that I can only but trust God to get me through this situation. And I can't manipulate it. That's what Gavin was saying. I can't work this way. I can't work this out. I can't find a way through here. I, I, I've played my last card. I, I've tried all my schemes and all my mind games. And at the end of the day, I have to learn how to be still. And to know that I am God. Amen. Yes. And what that is something, friends, that all of us, all of us, and I emphasize the all, will have to experience in our Christian life. Her story, this woman's story, starts back in, in chapter 4, I think it is, at verse 8. And like the background to this woman is that Elisha the prophet has, has, has come to four in Israel, and he's preaching and he comes to this woman's city or town, and he's preaching there, you know, on and off. And her and her husband observe him. She, she's a great woman of discernment. She just doesn't open the door of her life and heart to any old preacher that comes through. Buyer beware if you watch a lot of these so-called God channels, because the Bible says not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is entering the kingdom of heaven. So she watched him over a period of time. She watched his ministry. She saw the hand of God on him. She saw the balance. And she and her husband opened their hearts. They were wealthy people. They were just a couple. They had no children. They opened up their home. So when, when Elisha came to that region, he could stay there. They actually built on an, an additional room, an annex to the house, a comfortable place for the prophet of God to stay. And so, you know, the Lord rewarded her with a son. Her husband was late in life. She was probably quite mature herself. They never had any children. We don't know the cause of that from chapter 4. But we do read a phenomenal story of this woman's faith. Again, as I said, what I love about this woman, that all her her life, she had great integrity and great discernment. Amen. Something that we as Christians should be marked by is our integrity. Integrity is doing the right thing no matter how much it costs, okay? And, and, and her faith and composure and discernment, all these things should be yours and my attributes. We should be growing into these attributes. When I was a young Christian and I studied the gifts of the Holy Spirit in, in Corinthians 12 and 14, I remember the Bible teacher at the time said, now you, the Bible says, covet the greatest gifts. What do you think the greatest gifts for you are? And I remember even at 14 years of age, 15 years of age, knowing in my heart that the discernment of spirits was the most important thing for me to know. Didn't know I was going to be a pastor. Didn't know I was going to be called anywhere. But I said, God, give me discernment. Amen. So that I know what's the flesh. I know what's the spirit, and I know what's the devil, amen, and I don't get them confused, and so I never be suckered by some false storyline coming to me, whether it's from the flesh, the enemy, or the world, friends, and so I believe it's an important thing for Christians to have discernment, and this woman executed a great discernment because she watched this ministry, and as a result, with the prophet coming in, the prophet being a type of Christ, her life changed forever. She had a son, even though she was barren. That boy ended up either having severe heat stroke, that's what they reckon from the, from the commentators, that he actually died, which is very common in that part of the world. And Elisha came at a later time and he rose that boy from the dead. And so this is her pedigree. This is a woman that all of her life, she has paid the cost 
you know, it wasn't a comfortable, you know, easy beliefism for her because for her it cost her something to receive the man of God. She, had, she was out of pocket. Yeah, I mean, she had to do a lot of cooking and cleaning. It wasn't some sort of, oh, you know, like some of us today, we just wanted everything very convenient. You know, let's just do our little bit of cork church and let's skip home and have our dinner. Don't ever live like that, amen? Don't, don't be a convenient Christian. Be ready to be led by the Spirit because that's how you get deepened. And, and this woman, you know, as I said, her pocket, her life, everything changed when she let the presence of God into her heart. And her husband changed, she changed, and she saw the miraculous as a result. Amen? amen. You just don't walk into the miraculous, friends. I want to tell you, there has to be that heart. You must want the things of God. I'm going to ask you this morning, do you want them? Do you really want them or do we flirt with them? How much do you want God to move in your life? Because it's a journey of faith. It's walking with God. It's not just a once-off experience, friends. And I'm going to, you're going to hear it all the time. That just shall, not just by grace are you saved through faith, but you walk in faith. Amen. You battle in faith. You journey in faith. You grow in the faith. And so this woman, in her growing in faith, she saw the death of a son, but she saw God move and rise him from the, from the dead and give him back to her again. You know, if that's not enough for an entire, that would be enough for an entire lifetime for me. I don't know about you, but to have like the, the, the man of God stay in your house, you know, that, that's performing miracles everywhere. And, and all of a sudden you get the miracle of a boy, a son even, an heir for the, for the family when nothing seemed possible. And then seeing him die, but raised to life. I mean, I could just go to heaven after that one. I mean, but no friends, her journey continues. And you and I, many of us here, have experienced the presence of God. Sometimes you've been at conferences or meetings where the presence of God fills your heart, or you were challenged by the Word of God, or, or you walked even in the supernatural. And you know, but somehow your life has become a little bit tepid, a little bit off center. But this woman's walk, she stayed on the walk with the Lord, just living by faith. And the word of the Lord comes from the prophet Elisha to her. There's going to be a famine. You need to leave. You're going to die here. You're going to leave. And you know, I'm sure there was a challenge in even obeying the word of the Lord. I'm sure there was a huge challenge to this woman to leave her very comfortable home because the Bible says she was a woman of means. I'm sure that was difficult for her and her household to go to the land of the Philistines, which were a sworn enemy of God, you know, for the sake of just preserving their lineage. But she obeys the word of the Lord. Amen. Obedience, friends, does cost. Yes. There is a cost to obedience. You know, there's a, there's a giving up of what you think you should be at, or what you should be doing, or how your perfect life should look, and saying, you know what, God, only you know what the perfect life looks like. I'm going to trust you. And so she walks in obedient faith and she goes there and she's living in a foreign land. And I guarantee you, those of you who have come to this country from other countries and have experienced either xenophobia or attitudes against you, you can imagine, you can identify with this woman. She's an outsider in the land of the Philistines. I'm sure it wasn't have been easy for her. I'm sure socially she was excluded. I know she would have been excluded socially. I know it wasn't an easy journey for her to walk with God. And it's not an easy journey, friends. It's, a very, it's an impossible journey without the Holy Spirit. And so this woman, she trusts God, and seven years she lives in a foreign land. In this place where she's away, even from the temple, she's even away from the presence of God, she's away from the people of God, but she comes back after seven years only to find that her land, her house, her land has been seized by the government. That's, Gavin was right. When, when the Lord spoke to Israel, he said, are you sure you want a king? 
Is that what you want? Because he's going to tax the daylights out of you. He's going to take your daughters as his wives, and he's put your sons on the battlefield. That's what the Lord said. That's what he's going to do. Are you sure you want a king like the other nations? Do you not want me to fight for you? Well, can you imagine if Israel had backed down at that moment? He says, you're not right, God. You're not, yeah, you're far better. You, you, you won't have to raise any army. You just go out and strike the enemy. But no, 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 no. They wanted a king, and uh, they got second best friends. Even with David, a great king, they got second best. But, and uh, what did the kings do? They raped their own people of finances and money and corruption. Even with the great Solomon. <laughs> and, and Solomon was a great man in many ways. But he bankrupted his own country. Spent a hundred billion, equivalent to a hundred billion U.S. dollars in building this ostentatious temple, and he bankrupted the country to such a degree that the people were rebelling with the amount of money that he was taking out of them in taxes, and it divided the country. And that's why you got your your northern kingdom and your southern kingdom. But the whole thing was to do with the mullah, the money, the power. And God says, "Is that what you want? You want to remove me, and you want to put one of these despots in there?" At least God says, "I'll only take ten percent. They took ninety percent. The Irish government take forty percent." Okay. Oh, what a change. Friends, I'm having another story there. Forget that one. But coming back to this one here, this woman, she comes back to such injustice. She's an attentive, obedient woman of God. She started her journey by faith, and that faith is going to be tested, friends, and led her to a place of great personal loss. Now, I want to tell you, it's not always rosy to be a Christian, in actual fact. Much, most of the body of Christ today is under persecution. You look at China, over 150 million born-again believers in the country, 1.2 billion people, I agree. But 150 million people under the oppression of an awful system, friends. You go to South Sudan, you go to northern Nigeria, you go to all around the world today, friends. You get Yemen, all these countries, you go right into the Lebanon. You see what ISIS has done there. You see the, the rapes, murders, and plunders of the people of God. It's not all it's easy. And I want to tell you, I, and I hate to say it, but you have to fortify yourself because our day is coming. And it's not a praying man or woman in this church or in any church doesn't sense the hour that we're living in. The darkness that is falling upon us. The famine, the spiritual famine. The famine of basic knowledge. They don't know what a man is or what a woman is anymore. Basic science, friends. A famine, friends. A fog that has fallen upon the heads of people. You got very quiet when I talked about the gender stuff. You're going to hear me talk a lot more about it. God created two genders, male and female. That's what God did, amen. amen. We're not afraid to take on those issues at Cork Church, by the way, because we're Bible-believing Christians. We love all people, regardless of how confused they may be. We love them the same as non-confused people, which is a great love of God, but we stand with God, and we stand on the right side of history. Can you say amen this morning? Her faith led her to a place of great loss. Now, that's very testing. When your faith is a Christian, when you have heard the word of the Lord, get out of where you are and go here, and all of a sudden you're there, and you're under persecution, you're under the cost, you're under pressure, and you come back, and everything seems devastated. It's all gone. Now you're a poor woman. You're with your son, and, and whoever's left, I presume her husband is dead at this time because there's no mention of him, so she's, she's reliant upon her son to look after her. The Bible says, Paul says in Philippians 3, 7, but what things were gained for me, I counted loss for the excellence of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Her home and her lands. 
James 1, 2 says, brethren, count it all joy when you fall upon various trials, knowing that the testing of your, foot, your faith produces patience. And let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. Hallelujah. It's about your character, friends. It's about the true you. It's not about the cosmetic outside that's going to give way to a resurrected body. It's not about the temporary comforts of this life. And much as Pastor Nick loves his comforts, it's not even about those comforts, friends. It's about something far greater. It's about what God is doing in you and through you. Amen. It's about the qualities that he's forming, the master hands of the potter as he's over your life, as he knows what he's doing. Amen. In you and through you. Because it's not just about you, it's about others. You must remember that, Christian. It's not just in you, it's through you also. He does wonderful things, friends, with the old piece of clay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He does wonderful things with just a piece of clay in the hands of a master. She returns to poverty and injustice. What do you do? What did the righteous do when the foundations are gone? I said it, Psalm 11. I love that scripture. But the very next line says, but the Lord is in his temple. Hallelujah. Regardless of your circumstances today, and I don't want to belittle your trauma. I don't want to belittle your financial struggle. I don't want to belittle your physical struggles, your emotional trauma, friends. I will not belittle them because they're real. But I want to tell you a higher reality that God still dwells in inapproachable light. And I want to tell you, in many respects, he's unconcerned. Not for you, but it doesn't affect who he is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed his, that means the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. He's, he is in love with you. He loves you. He has you. His hand is upon you. And this is where your faith has to kick in. This is where you have to rise above circumstances and believe that God is still in his house. Amen. God is still in heaven today, friends. Who have I in heaven but thee, the scripture says. And there is none on the earth that I desire besides thee. My heart and my flesh fail. But God is the strength of my life. Am I portioned forever? Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, friends. Hallelujah. It's all going to fade away. The grass withers. The flowers fade. But the word of the Lord, that's Christ, by the way. It's not words on the page. The word of the Lord. The, The incarnate Christ, hallelujah, abides forever. Ever upholding us in his grace and his mercy. Now she does what she knows to, to do best all of her life. She has learned how to go into the presence of a king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you need to learn how to get into the presence of the king before your traumas happen. Amen. When the trial comes, friends, don't learn how to pray when the trial comes. Learn how to pray now. Learn how to have a conversation with the Lord. Learn how to talk and how to listen. How, learn how to just sit and wait. And be still to cut out the noise. And so there's a level, there's something about this story, and I think anyone that chooses to read it, you get from this story that this is a confident woman. You know, not a cocky woman. Her confidence is in the Lord. She, there's something inside in this woman that, that defies even her socioeconomic and her, her standing in the community. She's a woman. In a matriarchal, in, 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 in a man's world. Vulnerable in every sense. 
But the Bible says those who know their God shall do great exploits. <laughs> so there's something in this woman. See, faith in the earthen vessel. See, we have, the Bible says we have this treasure in the earthen vessel. There's something that God has put into this woman. And she goes into the presence of the king. Now, you don't know what sort of reception you're going to get. You're going to the king and you're going to ask him, hey, by the way, you seized my house and my lands and I want it back. Who are you? There's not, you don't even have a defender. You don't even have a name. You're not even regarded in our society. You know, she would have had to go through different administrations even to get to the king. She would have had to go, first of all, to the Elohim, which were the, the, the lower house, you could say, the, the judges that would be at the gate at the discretion of the king. Work through the social system. Go to your village first. Talk to the heads of the village. See what they say. Oh, you ain't getting your land back. You're gone a long time. You abandoned us. You're not getting any. Who do you think you are? Your name is again. Never remembered you. And of course, she has to wade through these situations until she comes into the... Do you know what, friends? Even for you and I to get into the presence of the Lord, there's many foes that will try to stop you. It's not God, though. It's not like the old thinking that many Pentecostals had today that somehow that God has shut the door to us. Oh, no, no. The, the, the door into his presence is wide open. Amen. But it's through many trials we enter that kingdom. There's many voices will try to dissuade you. There's many voices will try to persuade you to go in another direction. Like my brother Gavin was saying, voices to say, work it out yourself. Go, go to Frank Joyce, the, the great solicitor, and part of Frank will like me for that this morning. Our solicitor, go, Frank will sort you out. This will sort you out. But no, she made petition to the king. She went eventually into the very presence of the king. And of course, we know this. It's an amazing story because... You know, the sovereignty of God is not some sort of bumper sticker of doctrine. I want to tell you that nothing in this world happens outside of God's design. Yes. And that might test your faith. And you can come up and say, well, are you telling me God caused it? That might test your faith. I want to tell you one thing. But when you don't understand, you have to say that's above my pay grade at the moment. Yes. But I do believe that he's in control of everything. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't understand everything and why and all the nuances. I'm sure, Marco, there's many times you would have said, why me? Why, why this? Blowing up and going out to help people in a country, war-torn country, and gets blown up by landmine. Why me? But there's times when you begin to grow in your faith and you say, what, well, I'm never one thing I'm never going to do. I'm going to question the sovereignty of God because I know all his ways are just. Yeah. See, that's growth as a Christian. That's growth in faith. The weaker Christian would say, why me? Why me all the time? But the man and the woman of faith says, enough of why me? To just live by faith. I have a good God who knows what he's doing and I will not be persuaded any other way that he's good all the time. That's how a Christian lives. That's what good people do or godly people do when bad things happen. That's the reaction of godly people. That was the reaction of our Savior when he went to the crossroads. Not my will, but thine be done. Yeah. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Comforting those at the cross today. You're going to be with me in paradise. Hallelujah. Speaking words of hope from the cross. Hallelujah. And so this woman goes in, and as she goes in, it is a coordinated thing of the Spirit. Everything is dotted. Every T is crossed, friends. 
And as she's making, going in to make her appeal, she's getting ready to rehearse her storyline. Gehizia, the, prophet the prophet's servant, is there because the king is enamored with the stories that he heard about Elisha. And this happens to be happenstance. There's no happenstance in God, let me tell you, but it just seems to be that way. And all of a sudden, the king is, but by the way, come on, tell me that story. Is it true that Elisha raised, I heard he raised a young boy up a few years ago from the grave. Is that true? And he's telling the story of how Elisha raised this boy up. And lo and behold, the woman walks right into the very presence of the king. And he says, there she is. That is the woman. <laughs> That's her son. You know, talking about the evidence right before him. I'm sure Gehizia was so excited because, you know, this sounds like a far-fetched story. You know what I mean? I'm telling the king years on. And, you know, when people, but in she comes. In he comes before the king. Hallelujah. He's, the king is telling, Elisha, uh, telling Gehizia, tell me all the things that Elisha has done. And I want to tell you this morning, Christian, the King of heaven, God Almighty, would ask you this morning, I want you to tell me everything that Jesus has done in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, when you start to confess him, amen. When, when you do as Psalm 103 says, forget not all of his benefits. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within him. Forget none of his benefits. When you begin to recount the word of the Lord, when you begin to remember what it is that God has done for you, when you remember the lowly state and the bondage and the darkness, and as you walk this world as a vagabond mentally and emotionally and spiritually, he reached down and he touched your life. And oh, what joy filled your heart. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Tell me what God has done for you. Testify, Christian. Testify even in your weakest moments. Testify when your house is gone. There's some of you here this morning from Ukraine, and you're barely understanding me. Hopefully, the translation will help you. But in the midst of what seems appallingly and wicked and bad for you, you can stand up and say, God is good all the time. Hallelujah. You can stand in the house of God and say, I don't like my circumstance. I'm here to appeal to heaven. But I want to tell you, God is for me, and he's not against me. Hallelujah. The heavens are open. I can come into the presence of the King of Kings. I can lay my petition before Him. I can bring my vulnerabilities before Him. I can fall on my face before Him. And if I die, I die. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And because they loved not their lives even till the death. I'm telling you, friends, in the midst of your trauma, begin to testify. Yes. Hear me this morning. Yes. Begin to testify. Testify to the darkness. Testify to the light. Yes. Testify to your neighbor. Testify to yourself. Begin to recount all the good things that God has done in your life. Amen. And begin to lift up holy hands and bless the name of Jesus. He is good and his love endures forever. I tell you, Joel chapter 2 says, I will restore the years that the locusts, the demons have taken from you. Jesus said to the demoniac, go home, tell your friends all the things that the Lord has done for you. And he went back to the Decapolis and proclaimed all that Jesus had done for him. And they all marveled. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
The Word of God is active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the very divisions of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Paul and Silas in the prison cell. I mean, come on, friends. We kind of read over, don't we? It's just a prison cell, I'm sure. It's like Cork Prison. They probably had multi-channel television and an espresso coffee machine in the corner, you know. Man, they were beaten. I don't know about you. I got a couple of digs in my day out in the streets and a couple of clatters. And I don't be a big sissy that way. I, I, I don't like the sight of blood, particularly my own. These men were beaten, thrown in stocks in the darkest part of a prison. Everything taken from them, their liberty. They didn't know if they were going to see another tomorrow. And they're there in the midnight hour testifying and praising God. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives even until the death. We all know how that ended, don't we? The scripture says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. Why do we come into church on a Sunday morning and our worship team do their uttermost best to begin to lift up what God has done? Amen. And begin to thank him and praise him for all his goodnesses and mercies. Because when you begin to testify, something of the benevolence of God is released upon the people. I want to tell you, when you begin to speak all of what Jesus has done for you, all of a sudden the king turns to his envoy. He said, I want you to restore all what the locusts have taken. I want you to restore her land. I want you to restore every year that she missed the harvest with interest. Praise God, because you begin to testify. And I want to tell you, God won't forget even a cup of water. He won't forget it when you open up your hand of friendship, when you had nothing yourself. When you opened up your home and shared your bread with the broken. When you dipped into your pocket and helped a young person get to a youth weekend. Because you know there's a savage world barking at their heels to pull them into an awful place. I want to tell you, God won't forget that. God won't forget, friends, when you tell people who you are in the workplace and begin to testify. And regardless of the dungeons that men and women try to place you in, you begin to speak the mercies and the goodness of God. I want to tell you, everybody's on about their truth today. Oh, my truth, my truth. I want to tell you, there's only one truth, and his name is Jesus. Amen. And let me tell you about my truth. His name is Jesus. My truth is not me. He's a person who died and rose again and loves you and has all power in heaven and earth to set you free. Paul, in the belly of a ship in Acts 27, in the midst of such trauma where he's looking at certain death, except he's got a word from the Lord. See, friends, we don't die. We've already died. I love the story of Captain Cook. There was this famous story where these young Methodist ministers, a husband and wife, left the shores of Britain to go to the Polynesians, right into the, the cannibal country. It was cannibal, cannibalism, headhunters. And they went there with the word of the Lord. They packed everything they had into a coffin. They packed it into a coffin. That's the truth. And as Cook pulled up alongside the Polynesian Islands, there was, happened to be a riot at the time. They were trying to put it down, quell a rebellion. They were wanting to disembark, and he tried to persuade them not to. He said, if you leave, you're dead men. I said, Mr. Cook, we were dead men before we ever left England. Amen. Hallelujah. They took no stock for their life, friends. And those missionaries went in. I want to tell you, they tamed the savage beast with the words of the gospel, that mighty, mighty move of God through all of Oceania. 
Still today, friends, a huge Christian presence because men and women lay down their life because they love not their lives even till the death. They declare the goodness of God, the stuff and the mercies of God. And yet many of them did succumb to torturous death. But that was okay because that's not the end. Don't think that that's, don't think that that's the worst thing that can happen to you. Don't live so foolishly as to think death is the worst thing that can happen to you. Eternal death is the worst thing that can happen to you. Because we believe in the resurrection and the life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do not store up yourself treasures on earth where the moth or the rust can destroy. And where the thieves can break in and steal. But store up yourselves treasures in heaven where no moth, no rust can destroy. And where no thieves can break in or steal. For where your treasure is there will your heart be also. Seek first the kingdom of God, church. Testify of Christ. What he has done for you. That he is the key. He is the one to be worshipped this morning. Testify that he has saved me. He has restored me. He has healed me. He has forgiven me. He has covered me. He has raised me. He has freed me. And he has comforted me. He's warned me. He's taught me. Psalm 89. I leave you with the scripture. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. Listen to this second piece. You shall establish in the very heavens. I have made a covenant with my chosen. Because he made a covenant with his son, the chosen one, the son of God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because he made a legally binding contract with Christ who said, God, I will pay what mankind owes to you. I will pay the debt that's owed to you by my blood of my covenant. I'm telling you, it's because of that chosen one, we can sing of the mercies of the Lord this morning. And we can sing with open hands, friends, and open heart of his goodness to all generations. Now, no matter what circumstances you may find yourself in, he is still worthy of a hand raised in his presence. He is worthy of a praise coming out of your mouth friends. He is worthy of it all which we sing. He is worthy because he is worthy. He has done it all. Above and beyond what we can even ask or think. What we need is revelation. God opened my eyes that I could see how great a salvation I have and what great comfort I have in your cross. And this woman who went in and testified about what God had done in her life, God restored. Do you want to have an antidote? to restoration in your life, things that you think that have fallen off, missed, go out and start telling people about Jesus. Yes. Come on. <laughs> tell them about Jesus. Hallelujah. Tell them what he's done for you. Yes. Hallelujah. Oh, but you're still unemployed. Ah, that doesn't matter. That could be the will of the Lord at the moment. But I am. My father owns the cattle of a thousand hills. I'm richer than what you even realize. Amen. Hallelujah. My wealth, no moth can take it in. The government can't take 50% of it, friends. No, it's incorruptible. It's eternal. Amen. And begin to look higher rather than lower, friends. And begin to trust God and speak the Bible truth wherever you go. Hallelujah. I want to tell you the hand of God will come upon you. Hallelujah. The hand of God will begin to restore your fortunes of old. Your, your wayward children. Your brothers and sisters that you see struggling, who maybe never give their hearts to the Lord, your husband or wife that don't know him, God will restore. I said, God will restore. 
God will do what only he can do. But you and I can go into this presence. Would you stand with me this morning? Because we're in his presence now. And in these last closing moments, would you raise your hand and thank him for what he's done? And Lord, will you speak out? Even if it's in the megalosis, even if it's in the spirit. But if you want to speak out, just with the words out of your own mouth and testify to him. And any demon that might be watching of what God has done for you. Amen. And begin to praise his holy name this morning. I want to tell you out of the fullness of your heart. Begin to thank the Lord and begin to worship him. And testify of his goodness. I want to tell you this. God will begin to restore to you. Even now, you will have a sense of his nearness. Hallelujah. Even now, you'll have a sense of something greater is going to happen. Oh, hallelujah. When the world is falling apart, I want to thank God right now that I am not falling apart. He holds me together in the very palm of his hand. And nothing will take you from the palm of his hand. Nothing will take you. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.